We're in chapter 18, looking at verses 9 through 22. For several weeks now, we've been looking at a series of laws related to leaders within Israel. So we've thought about judges, kings, priests, and today we think about prophets. Once again, Deuteronomy 18, verses 9 through 22. Let's listen closely to the word of God. When you come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not learn to follow the abominable practices of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone who burns his son or his daughter as an offering, anyone who practices divination or tells fortunes or interprets omens or a sorcerer or a charmer or a medium or a necromancer or one who inquires of the dead. For whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord your God is driving them out before you. You shall be blameless before the Lord your God. For these nations, which you are about to dispossess, listen to fortune tellers and to diviners. But as for you, the Lord your God has not allowed you to do this. The Lord your God will raise up from you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen. Just as you desired of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly when you said, let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God or see this great fire any more lest I die. And the Lord said to me, they are right in what they have spoken. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers. And I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And whoever will not listen to my words that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak, or who speaks in the name of other gods, that same prophet shall die. And if you say in your heart, How may we know the word that the Lord has not spoken? When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the word does not come to pass or come true, that is a word the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You need not be afraid of him. Well, I wonder who who are the people in your life that when they speak, you're all ears. Who are you listening to? Who is it that speaks authoritatively into your life? And whose words can you trust? Who can you rely on? And what are the distinguishing marks of a voice that is trustworthy, worthy of our acceptance? And How do you tell the difference between reliable and unreliable sources of information? And furthermore, to whom do you look for the interpretation and analysis of that information? The reality is we're all listening to someone. We are all listening to someone. So who do you trust to make sense of everything? 
It's widely recognized that we are living in the midst of a crisis of confidence when it comes to cultural institutions, political leaders, news media, and religious authorities. If you don't believe me, you might just be proving my point, actually. And at the same time, we are living in the midst of an information age. There are countless voices constantly appealing to us for our attention, seeking to influence us, shaping our thoughts and our moral imaginations. It's virtually inescapable today, from our phones to our tablets to our TV screens, even at local gas stations, there's a screen in front of you with a talking head. So where are we supposed to turn in a world full of clamoring voices for our attention to whom should we listen? And what are the distinguishing marks of a voice that is worthy of our trust? These are pressing questions in our day, are they not? And they are questions that Moses answers as he talks about true and false prophets. And so I want us to consider this passage this morning in two parts. First, a warning against listening to the wrong voices. A warning against listening to false prophets. And then secondly, a call to listen to a true and better prophet like Moses. As I said, for several weeks we've looked at laws for the appointment of judges and kings and priests. But I don't think it's any accident that this section of laws for leaders ends with prophets. Because prophets are those who are appointed by God to speak a word above all earthly power who speaks a word from outside, who speaks a word of truth to power, as we see happening uh, throughout Israel's history. And so by concluding the list of laws for leaders with the prophets, Moses makes clear that it's not the judge or the priest or even the king himself who gets the final word. God gets the final word, and he puts his word into the mouth of his prophet. Before we come to this promised prophet, notice how Moses clears the way. He he prepares the way, you might say, in verses 9 through 14. So in contrast to the revelation God promises to give through his prophet, Moses first warns God's people against falling prey to the pagan practices of the nations and the dark arts of divination. So in other words, before telling them who they ought to listen to, he warns them about who they should not listen to. Before he does any planting, Moses weeds. And this this warning was extremely urgent, and it couldn't have been any more timely or relevant if you think about it, because the children of Israel were about to enter into an entirely new situation without Moses. They were about to go into the land without Moses, who has been their leader for decades. 
So look at how Moses sets the scene for this warning as he does again and again throughout the book of Deuteronomy. Look at verse 9. When you come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not learn to follow the abominable practices of those nations. So he, he knows they're about to enter a new situation where they will be at least tempted to listen to the wrong voices. I wonder if you've ever experienced that kind of disorientation that comes with moving to a new place. As a kid, I moved around a lot. And whenever we moved into a new area, we relied on locals for guidance, right? We, we asked lots of questions to, to learn the lay of the land, to figure out how to get around, to understand social networks and expectations and norms. We, we would listen to just about anyone who had anything to say. We were all ears. Moses knew that's how the Israelites might feel when they entered into the promised land. And because this new situation was coming, and because he knew how vulnerable the people would be, Moses anticipates all of the dark and seductive voices that would compete for the people's attention and ultimately their allegiance. But I wonder if you ask the question yourself, as we were reading through the text, why does Moses mention child sacrifice in this context it might seem out of place in verse 10 Moses mentions child sacrifice along all of these alongside of all of these uh, acts of divination but it's I think part of Moses's jarring warning of what can happen if we listen to the wrong voices he's trying to shock the people entertaining strange voices and toying with some of the practices mentioned in verses 9 through 14 might not seem like a big deal. But Moses wants us to see where the path leads. And I think that's why he mentions child sacrifice in this context. I grew up with someone, I knew somebody growing up who grew up in a, a Christian home, grew up going to a Christian church, went to youth group, summer camps, Christian conferences, right? The whole shebang. As he got older, he started to listen to voices that questioned the reliability of the Bible. Right? That ancient question, did God really say? And as time went on, he started to listen to dark and strange voices so that over time he himself was changed and embraced some very dark and very strange ideas. And now, for example, he, he openly admits his belief that unborn children are not persons. Unborn children do not have any human rights. And of course, I mean, that just sounds so normal. He's not alone um, because abortion laws within our own country protect that way of thinking by law. But no matter how normal that may seem in our current culture, the reality is these are dark and strange ideas. We might read about sorcerers and omens and 
necromancers and think, what what does this have to do with our world today? But the reality is we live in a really dark world where people believe some really strange and wicked things. How does that happen? How does that come about? Moses mentions child sacrifice to shock and warn us, and we desperately need to be shocked and warned about this. The message is don't be bewitched. Whenever we are tempted to listen to the seductive voices of the world around us, we need to seriously consider where those voices are ultimately leading us. We need to consider where they have already led so many already. For example, think about the voices propelling the sexual revolution in our culture and where they have led so many already. Promising freedom and have really only delivered on confusion and anxiety and abuse and loneliness and sorrow and even death. You see, friends, our life, our life depends upon listening to the right voice. That's no exaggeration. It's the, the point of the book of Deuteronomy. These are the words. That's how this book opens. Hear, O Israel. That's the introduction to the greatest commandment in the Bible. Listen and live. That's how Moses wraps up his messages at the end of Deuteronomy in chapter 32. And when Moses had finished speaking all of these words to all Israel, he said to them, Take to heart all the words by which I am warning you today, so that you may command them to your children, that they may be careful to do all the words of this law, for it is no empty word for you, but your very life. It is no empty word for you, but your very life. For man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. One of the questions that I want to ask you this morning, dear brothers and sisters, is this. Have you taken inventory of the voices that you are currently listening to? Who are the people speaking authoritatively in your life? Who has your ear? Who do you listen to for direction and guidance and moral instruction? We are all aware of the proliferation of information technologies but where are you consuming information who are you listening to you you might not be in the habit of visiting fortune tellers but how many people today follow the stock market as if they could predict our future or how many of us listen to our favorite news pundits as if they could give us some special insight into how to plan for the future you might not be in the habit of engaging in necromancy or sorcery or witchcraft. But how many of us seek to to satisfy the deep impulse to penetrate 
the clouds of mystery by consuming all kinds of information and news and podcasts that ultimately leads us to a pagan view of the world. Brothers and sisters in Christ, take inventory and ask yourself, who am I listening to? Who has my ear? I think we need to recognize that there are incredibly powerful voices speaking into our lives, seeking to captivate our imagination. To be frank with you, this is one of the biggest concerns that I have as a pastor in ministry today. The voices speaking into your lives. And to be, to be really frank, we need to recognize that there are incredibly powerful political cults that consume inordinate amounts of our attention today to the point where it's almost impossible to have a conversation with someone about anything that doesn't turn political. For some of us, it's just the sheer volume that we're taking in and the way that it shapes us over time. We, we need to be on the lookout for this. We need to watch out for this. Are you listening to news pundits or podcasters more than you listen to God? Do you heed the voice of man more than you heed the voice of the living Lord? Whose voice, whose voice in reality shapes your thinking and your living. Who is it? Who has your ear? And where are they leading you? The question that Deuteronomy wants us to ask ourselves is, are you listening to the word of life? And that leads us to the second part of this passage of the call to listen to God's prophet, beginning in verse 15. In verse 15, Moses declares the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen. Here we discover the good news that even after Moses passes from the scene, that God's word will not pass away. Even after this great prophet is gone, God's word will not be gone. A divine and transcendent voice will continue to penetrate the life of God's people because our God is a speaking God and he promises to continue to speak to his people in a way that they can understand. And notice the distinguishing marks of this trustworthy voice. Moses says, the Lord will raise up for you a prophet like me in verse 15. And just think of everything that is packed into those two words, like me. I think the original audience, when they heard that, would have been reassured. Right? The thought of losing this great prophet, Moses, who was not only mighty in word, but also mighty in deed, would have been a bit unsettling. After all, it was through the ministry of Moses that the people were brought out of Egypt. It was through the ministry of Moses that they were led through the Red Sea to the foot of Mount Sinai. It was through the ministry of Moses that the people received manna from heaven and, 
and drank from the rock in the desert. All of this would have come to the mind of the people when when they heard the words, a prophet like me. But that's not all. The description continues and it takes on greater focus and specificity. Notice, for example, how Moses emphasizes that this prophet will exist in close solidarity with the people. He will come from among you, from your brothers. In other words, he will not only possess great power and authority like Moses, uh, he will also live in close brotherly nearness. A powerful prophet who can speak God's word and perform God's uh, miracles, who will also exist in close brotherly nearness with the people of God. Like Moses, in other words, who traveled up and down the mountain, this prophet will be a mediator between heaven and earth. And notice how in verse 16, that, that idea is recalled, this ministry of Moses on Mount Sinai. And I think this is where it becomes most specific. What does it mean, a prophet like me? Here's the most specific detail. Verse 16 recalls how the people begged God to stop speaking to them with a voice that thundered from the fiery mountain. Just imagine that fiery mountain and the thunder. The people said, let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God or see this great fire anymore lest I die. And the Lord said to me, Moses, they're, they're right in what they've spoken. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers. And I will put my words in his mouth and he shall speak to them all that I command him. See, God accommodates himself to his people to speak to them at many times and in many ways. He spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. Instead of the fire and thunder of Mount Sinai, God has spoken to us through the flesh of his incarnate son, the word made flesh. You see, in Jesus, we discover the word of God that has come down from high above the heavens. Here is a divine word that is close to us in brotherly nearness. And so the author of Hebrews puts it this way. Listen to this. For you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them. Okay, you see what it's appealing to? But we've come to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Blood that speaks a better word. And so Hebrews says, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Listen to him. Let his sprinkled blood, which speaks a better word, dissolve your heart. 
Listen to that better word. I remember uh, in class with, uh, with Sinclair Ferguson, someone I know many of you have an appreciation for, he assigned a John Owen book to us to read. And when we were discussing it in class at one point, just as an aside, he said, you know, once you read John Owen, you'll start to wonder why you ever read anything else. I think that same idea applies here. If God has spoken to us like this, if he has spoken to us a better word by the blood of his own son, why would we ever want to listen to anyone else? Why bother? Why listen to anything but the word of God, which is almighty and powerful and heavenly and transcendent and exalted above all things, which has come down so low as to bleed. A word which speaks better word than the blood of Abel. To speak to you by blood in that kind of brotherly nearness, it prompts us to ask the question why we give our ears to listen to anything else, doesn't it? This passage also teaches us that we're responsible. We are responsible for whether or not we listen to the voice of this prophet. Regardless of age, we're responsible. Verse 19, the Lord warns, Whoever will not listen to my words that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. Imagine, imagine what it means. Okay? Imagine someone gives you a spectacular gift, an extravagant gift, a costly gift, and you just set it aside. You ignore it. You'd say, how, how outrageous, how outrageous. Well, how outrageous, how much more outrageous to ignore the blood that speaks a better word of grace and mercy and forgiveness and to neglect so great a salvation. This is the warning that Peter drives home in Acts chapter 3 where he explicitly identifies Jesus as the prophet like Moses spoken of and promised here in Deuteronomy 18. Peter says, repent therefore and turn back that your sins may be blotted out. Do you see the purpose of this word that God speaks to us in Christ? What's its intent? It's our good. It's our salvation. It's our blessing. It's our restoration that refreshing may come. Peter says, repent and turn back that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all the things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Moses said, The Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him and whatever he tells you, and it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. It's important to notice that although Acts 3 makes clear that Jesus is the promised prophet like Moses, that the description like me or like Moses entails not only similarity but difference. Dissimilarity. You know, when you say someone is like someone else, 
It means that they're similar in some ways, but they're also different. Similarity and dissimilarity. Jesus is different. He's different from all of the other prophets that came before him. As Hebrews opens up long ago, many times, many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. See, this is a categorically different kind of speech. He's not only the last in a long line of prophets, but Jesus is God's first and final word. Jesus is everything God has to say to us. So listen to him. Because our life depends on listening to him. This is what the heavenly voice declared at the transfiguration. Think about that moment. You have a mountain. And who shows up? Great prophets. Moses and Elijah, two of the greatest prophets in the Old Testament, standing there with Jesus and the disciples. They're, they're out of wit. They don't know what to do with themselves. What's going on? We'll set up some tents. Right, what are we going to do? And in this spectacular moment, a voice speaks audibly from heaven, saying, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. Isn't that spectacularly delicious? That in the most visually stunning moment in all of history, right? The son of God transfigured. He's shining like the sun. What's the focus? It's not on Moses and Elijah. It's the call to listen to the word of God. That ought to be a tremendous comfort to us, brothers and sisters, because right now we can't see Jesus, but we are filled with the hope of glory that one day we will see him as he is and we will become like him, but we can hear his word. Every time the word of God is read and proclaimed faithfully, we hear the word of the risen Christ. So listen to him. Listen to him. And learn from that story of the transfiguration. This is how it ought to be. Everything else fades away. Did you notice in the, the account of the transfiguration, once the voice speaks from heaven, nothing more about Moses and Elijah. There's only Jesus. There's only Jesus. Listen to him. Look, at, look now at verses 20 through 22. We need to wrap up here. <clears throat> but there's this final warning that we need to say something about practical takeaway for us. Uh, the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak or who speaks in the name of other gods, that same prophet shall die. And if you say in your heart, how may we know the word that the Lord has not spoken? When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the word does not come to pass or come true, that is a word that the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You need not be afraid of him. This is, this is an important warning for us, not only so that we can avoid being deceived by false prophets and false teachers, but also so that we do not speak presumptuously. 
And we've talked about not listening to other voices, voices that are not faithful, voices that do not speak things that, uh, that do speak things that do not come true, is another thing added to the list here to help us distinguish uh, and rule out false voices. There are a lot of people today, aren't there? There are a lot of people today who presume to speak a word in God's name that God has not spoken. And this, this, this passage, it reminds us, it warns us how very serious that is. I think it's useful to apply this to ourselves because it can be a big problem in churches. I've heard this a lot of times in, in ministry. It is so easy to baptize our own subjective feelings, ideas, and personal agendas with Christian jargon, right? It's so easy to baptize our own ideas and desires with language like, well, the Lord told me this. I think the Lord is leading me to do that. Or in the even more emotive version, I just feel that this is what the Lord wants me to do. And I just want to say, as a practical application drawn from this text, be very, very, very careful when you talk like that. Don't, don't talk like that unless you're ready to cite chapter and verse. And watch out for people. Watch out for people who claim to have supernatural ability to perceive spiritual realities but are not able to cite chapter and verse. Watch out for that. Watch out for people who think they are privy to things God has not revealed. Do not listen. Do not listen to people who functionally deny the sufficiency of Scripture by claiming that God personally reveals things to them apart from the written and inspired Word of God. Listen, listen to me closely, please, beloved. Although the Holy Spirit is at work in the heart of every true believer, God does not speak authoritatively through our own private judgments and feelings. I, I'm going to say that again because I think it's such an important thing for us to understand that although God is at work in the heart of every true believer, God does not speak authoritatively through our own private judgments and feelings. That's not how God speaks to his people today. God speaks to us through his written word, which always directs us to Jesus. And so when our subjective feelings are out of line with his written word, then we know, we know this is not a movement of the spirit because the same spirit who inspired this word illumines this word and brings it to mind. So be careful. Don't only be careful of others, but be careful of how you yourself speak. Right? Be careful of slipping into the Christianese language where anything you think is a good idea is something God has told you. Because it might not be. And we do not want to take the name of the Lord in vain. But brothers and sisters, let's come back to the main point. The question that I said I want to ask you today and really plead with you to ask yourself. Would you take inventory today? Who are you listening to? Who has your ear? Who is speaking authoritatively 
into your life, shaping how you think and how you live. God has put his word in the mouth of his prophet. And he has come to us in brotherly nearness. The word made flesh. God has spoken to us definitively and finally and said to us all that we need to hear in his crucified and risen son. So listen to him. Listen to him and live. For he is your life. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for that word above all earthly power. We thank you that when we look out over all the seductive voices that bombard us, that that, that little word shall fell them. We pray that you would help us to listen to Jesus and that we would become so steeped in his word written down for us that we would that we would recognize all of the counterfeits. Pray that your Holy Spirit would lead us into all truth and help us, Lord, like the disciples on the Mount of Transfiguration, to see and listen to none but the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.